Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. As usual, let's just take a moment and relax. Anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside. Remind yourself that God is right there with you. You don't have to get his attention. He is for you, not against you. You are well-pleasing to him and fully acceptable, and you don't have to do anything else, ever. You don't have to do anything else in your life, ever again, to gain or maintain or achieve anything in your relationship with God. It's settled. You're part of the family. You're one in him and with him. He loves you right now as much as he loves his son. You don't have to do anything else ever in your entire life. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to mature or spiritually or get better or even learn how to use your abilities. You don't have to do anything or be anything. You don't even have to get healed if you don't want to. Now, God's still going to work on you because your spirit has already agreed to that, who you truly are. And by work on you, I mean heal you, restore your soul. That's what our time here on this earth is all about. Restoring. Restoration of our soul and spirit. not about out there. It's not about your circumstances or a ministry or something that God needs you for. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need anybody. He's a fully contained God. Doesn't need anybody's help. There's nothing happening that he's like, whoops, didn't see that one coming. That's true of you too. He doesn't go look over at you and go, wow, if only she'd just stuck to the plan. Or if man, if he just hadn't then made that choice, that decision. No, you you are completely accepted in the beloved. You are one in Him. You are unconditionally loved, unconditionally valued. You're significant, and you're unconditionally accepted right now, as you are. So you're in him and with him. And you're you're never going to be closer to God than you are right now in your spirit. Now your spirit and soul are separate. That's the problem. Your soul is getting closer to God because your soul is being restored. What is your soul? Mind, will, and emotions. Those are our terms. There's maybe other great ones and we may change in the future. That's the whole point of learning, isn't it, is that as we learn, as God reveals, as we change, our beliefs change, our doctrine changes, our relationships change. That's important. That's valuable. We want to value that we're not so 
tied to our beliefs that God can't change them. That don't mean other people or even our own mind or our own emotions or even our choices. Our relationship with God comes first, though. Our beliefs will grow from that relationship. Our doctrines, our actions, our day-to-day activities grow from our beliefs about who God is who, and our relationship. When you believe something, you act on it. Now, a lot of us think we have beliefs that are that we hold strongly to and that that are important to us and we're, and we value them, but we really don't act on them. We really don't do anything about them because they're really not beliefs, they're just thoughts. They've never been tested, they've never gone through the fire, they've never really been held up to the strong light of day to see if they hold up. And that's one of the things we've been doing with our our approach to learning about our supernatural, our solical abilities that function in the supernatural realm. I, I dare say, and from what I hear, we're all in the same boat as how as far as how does this work. But we can start with how do you learn to do anything is one of the best ways to learn to do something is to learn to teach it. And how would you learn how to teach something is first you do your research. You basically you learn how to do it yourself. But putting that extra step, that extra distance increases our objectivity. And we want to be objective about learning to do this practice, this functioning of our abilities. When you think about the disciples walking around with Jesus and what they were able to do on their own even, even before they were Christians, just out of their solical, their souls working more effectively, simply by being in, in Jesus' presence and by his teachings. You know, Jesus was, his spirit was fully active, energized not only his solical abilities, but the solical abilities all around him and the souls of all around him. That's why some people just hated him so violently. It's not even so much what he taught. It's that their their dead souls, their souls filled with hate and anger and bigotry and you name it, were in the presence of God himself and responded accordingly. Again, our soul doesn't like to be challenged, it likes to maintain control. It doesn't like to be questioned. So when God came, God in the form of Jesus came into contact with people, there was a reaction, either a positive one or a negative one. But it was a solical reaction in their mind, their will, and their emotions. 
dead people don't react in their spirit. Remember, God himself has to say, basically it's a prime, prime someone's spirit in order to be able to respond to him. God himself calls. We don't, we don't come, we respond. So if God doesn't call that spirit, doesn't matter what you do. But you do, we do often get a solical response. This is unfortunately a lot of what happens in evangelism. There's a lot of emotion stirred up. And so that there's an emotional response. That doesn't mean that there's not, you know, God's preparation involved as well and that there's not absolute salvation going on, restoration of spirit. But it's very much couched, couched often in emotionalism, which is solical. And... When that emotion fades away, there's a problem. There's a reliance on, because I had this emotional response, that's how my relationship with God is supposed to be. And that's not the case. Now, this is not against emotions. Emotions are part of your soul. Emotions are God's gift to you. Your mind is God's gift to you. Your your will, your your behaviors, your actions, your your willingness to to choose and be, just be, those are God's gift to you. God's gift to your spirit. And what do we do with gifts? We value them. And we say, "Thank you. How does this work?" You know, we open the box and you go, "What is this?" And that's where most of us are with our solical abilities. What is this? How does this work? Is there a key to this where I can just wind it up and see what happens? And when the disciples were walking around with Jesus, that's exactly what they were doing, is how does this work? And Jesus was showing them. You curse the fig tree and it won't because it doesn't bear fruit. Now he did a lot of things that they just didn't understand, and you and I don't understand some some of them to to this day. Now some of them, you know, we we have no idea how close the translation is about it, what actually happened, or if there was, you know, what the actual activities were. And as far as Jesus' day-to-day walk while he was doing his ministry, there's a lot missing. There's a lot that we don't have written down. But we get enough, and I think that's intentional. If God wanted us to rely on a written testimony of Jesus' actions, he would have had a complete, Jesus would have written it down if it was that important to him. I don't think it is. I think it's helpful for us. But if there <clears throat> if there was no Bible, we would we might even be better off because we'd be able to respond directly and seek out and be patient and wait. You know, I think about the uh the uh Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell as its tongues of fire. They were waiting. They were patiently waiting. They knew something was coming. They didn't know what, 
They didn't even know what was happening when it happened, let alone afterwards or any time. But they knew something was coming. And for you, God has something for you. Whatever it is, it's exactly what you need. It's exactly what you want. And your spirit has already seen it and agreed with God that it is good. But it's personal. Now, for for some, you know, God, we're all here in our circumstances. You may have a, you know, a circumstance where you feel like you'll never have an impact on anybody else, and you're never going to have an impact in on, on anybody's relationship with God or your community or or politics or health or wealth. You're never going to have an impact on anything. Others. You have a desire to impact one or many of those areas. You, maybe you desire to be the, the emperor of the world, and you want to, you can run everything better than it's being run now. Whatever it is, that's God drawing you to him. Whatever our questions are, ask, but ask them of God. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get an answer. God is not obligated in any way, shape, or form, to explain himself. But the questions draw us back to him. We say, how does this work? God, why does this happen? You know, why, why do the evil prosper? Why do good men suffer? You know, we could say, why, you know, there's, we know for sure, just based on history, that there are innocent people in prison. How does that, how does God allow that? There are wars going on, multiple wars, at any given time throughout history around the, around the globe. How does God allow that? People starving, diseases, what, you know, animals, uh, natural disasters, acts of God. How, why does God permit that? Because we are just passing through. Our, our existence here is temporary. We could we could think of our time here on this earth as kindergarten. We're learning how to work with others. We're learning how to add. We're learning our colors. We're learning some really basics of what we're going to need in first grade and then second grade, and then fourth grade, and then twelfth grade. We're, we're hopefully building, but we're starting where we're at. Sometimes we get an idea of, oh, I, you know, when, when I grow up, I want to be an engineer and build a ladder to the moon. Or I want to heal the world, or I want to rule the world, or I want to have all the money in the world. You know, take your pick. The whole idea is, is you're, we're learning wherever we're at, and we're learning according to what God's intent is, what you in particular need. And by need, I mean for his purposes to restore your soul. Because the way he restores our soul is by letting it fail very often, not always, but a lot of, you know, we are, he's gentle with us and kind and loving 
and he is not harsh, and he he loves your soul. He loves the gift he gave you. He's not out to destroy your soul, but your soul has set up its own kingdom within his kingdom. And he can't let that stand. There can only be one throne in the kingdom of God, in your neck of the woods. And so he is going to tear down those walls that set apart the the kingdom that your soul has created. And your soul is invested in keeping those walls up. So your soul, soul is fighting against God. Now, we all know God's going to win. But in the process, it wears your soul out. You, even through the process, your soul is going to pull out all the stops, everything it can to maintain control. God knows that. It doesn't, he, he's not holding it against your soul. But your soul doesn't know it's good for it. Because God is good for it. What God has planned is good for your soul. And your spirit, who you truly are, has seen your end. Your spirit has seen your beginning. Your spirit has seen every day in between. Here on this earth, I guess, you know, what what we could call kindergarten. And that's where we are as far as our understanding of how God works, how how life in the kingdom works. We're still in kindergarten, and we could even say pre-K, because we barely know how to walk. We barely know how to to live and move and have our being. You know, there's so many that say, "Oh, it's the end of the you know the end of the age, and the new thing is coming, or the rapture, or whatever." And I always go back to, well, whatever's going to come next, it's going to happen when the church is without spot or wrinkle. So I I know that whatever's coming next isn't on our doorstep. Now, he could change us like that, and, okay, we would be at a church without an, a, a, called, a group of called-out ones without spot or wrinkle. But we, as a, you know, then there's, uh, I'm sure there are pockets of people around the world, around the earth, that have been, you know, existing throughout history that have achieved being without spot or wrinkle to some degree or another, but not on any large extent. And I think that's what he's looking for, is that there's enough of a demarcation of his restoration of their souls, because that's really what we're talking about. In order for you to be without spot or wrinkle, your soul must be restored. Then your body is, is, you know, a millisecond to be, your, your body is basically inconsequential to what God, God's life flowing into your soul is. The main challenge he has is your soul because he's gentle and doesn't want to destroy your soul. He's not a bully. He's not a strong man. He's not a tyrant. He's not out to tear down your soul. He's, he's here to restore your soul but tear down the walls. And in order for that to happen, he lays siege 
to your kingdom. And he starts preventing the things that used to work. You know, um, in in a war, uh, when one group comes in to attack the other, you encircle who you're attacking to prevent, to break all the supply chain, to, to break the supply lines, so that the people, for instance, in the city or behind the walls, don't get food, don't get water, don't get um, ammunition, don't get medical supplies, don't get help from the outside world. They, and that's what God does to our soul. Those things that you used to rely on, the, the food that you use to feed your soul, the, the beliefs that you, that you used to rely on to give you ammunition, everything that gave you life and support, He's laying siege to that and not letting it through. He's letting your soul fail. He's letting those habits reveal themselves as bad habits, as unhelpful habits. And he's doing that so we will give up, so we will let him have his way. Now, we may, you may... Allow him to, you know, and agree with him. And, and this is all part of the process is we change our beliefs. Oh, you know, okay, God, I see that now. And as you embrace that this is the way God does things, there's going to be times, just for an example, where you're mulling over a question or a problem and maybe even you're dealing with a wound and you go to sleep and then you wake up in the morning and something has changed. And you don't even know what it is. But all of a sudden, that person doesn't bother you. There, You feel, you know, um, compassion for someone that just used to drive you nuts. You have an answer to a question. Well, God does that normally. That's one of the ways he does. He turns our heart when we're sleeping. He turns the heart of the king. Like any of you who are concerned about everything that's going on with, you know, again, the several wars that are going on, if if God didn't want them to be happening, they wouldn't be happening. Does God cause war? Yes. Does God cause peace? Yes. Does God cause everything in between? Yes. He's the first cause of everything. There's no shadow of turning. He is all in all. He created evil for the day of evil. So there are days for evil. And we could say we're living in some. But then there's days of good, and we'll be living in those. Times come. Circumstances change. Some are, you know, some, you know, never pray to be living in interesting times because this is what it looks like. You want to live in boring times. (laughs) So we look for what is God doing to seize you? What is now failing in our lives? And this will give us an indication of what God is working on. Now, a lot of times we want to know what he's doing so we can help. We want to shorten what he's doing. We want, and, and both of those are we want to control. So a lot of times... We focus on, you know, the, the, some of the, the catchphrases in, in 
the organized religion is becoming more spiritually mature or finding out what your purpose is and, and accomplishing it and reaching the next level and, you know, any you know, any of the above, fulfilling your purpose. Those are all ways we try to control God. He's going to do what he's going to do. He knows what you need. He knows how to heal your soul, how to restore it. He's working on all that. And then when we understand, okay, there, he's he's laying siege to your castle, to your kingdom. It's a matter of time, and how he does it and how your soul responds is all under his control. What can we pay attention to in the meantime while this war is going on? The best, most we can do is not interfere with what God is doing. Now, we've, we've already, as a foundation, we embrace that we spend time with God. The more, the better. Because what that does, it, it doesn't necessarily shorten our, the war that's going on between God and our soul. It doesn't shorten that. But it does remind us and prevent reinforcement of our soulical power it reminds us of how much God loves us. It reminds us of he's brought us this far and is not going to abandon us. It reminds us of God's nature. It reminds us of who he is. It reminds us that we can hear him clearly, that he's guiding us and leading us and directing us. It reminds us of who we are in him. And the more we can focus on who we are in him, that we are all sons of God, that we are joint heirs with Christ, that we are all in him. Now, in our spirit, we all have all the eternal life we're ever going to get. The more we focus on the positive things that we can do now. This is why the disciples, this is why Jesus was walking around with the disciples. You know, think about it. Why did he walk around with you know, first he had the crowd. He had the crowds. He had a, a group of, you know, twelve, and he had a group of, you know, three or four, and then he had one who, you know, was the closest to. Why? Why did he? Why didn't he have just everybody all at the same level, or why did he have anybody that close to him? Because he was teaching different things, and he was drawing different things, and. From each individual, and from different, and there were different responses because we're all at a different place, and intentionally that was that's God's intent. But as Jesus was walking around, even the teachings he gave, people received different information. the The multitudes learned that he could turn, take a, a, a loaf of bread and fi- a few fishes and feed multitudes. So they were like, "Yay, let's follow this guy." Others, you know, experienced his healing, and they, oh, let's follow him. He can heal. Others saw him and saw the Father. And others heard his heartbeat and experienced the Father's love. And that's one of the ways we can see how God 
through Christ, drew all men unto him. And yet even even the perfection of that expression of God's love in the flesh elicited different results, different responses. The most we can do, and yet, and yet when we look at the disciples, they asked questions of Christ, of God. How do you do this? How does this work? There was that freedom. There was that, that confidence. There was that relationship. The masses just wanted to be fed. The closer in, people, the more time people spent with him and saw how he did things, the more they learned. So that's you and I. And we can start with our own abilities that God put in your soul. He, gave, he gifted you soulical abilities. Just as his disciples asked, how does this work? And he showed them by example. You and I asked, how does this work? How do these supernatural, solical abilities that function in the supernatural realm, how does this work? He wants us to learn. Not because it will equip us, even though it will, but because it's part of who we are and it's part of the gift he gave us. And it will keep us from interfering and trying to resupply the, the supply chains that God himself is trying to break from your soul. So don't be distracted about what God is doing in restoring your soul. Pay attention. Be walking around with Christ. Look at, with wonder at every opportunity, every circumstance he has to reveal himself in you and in your circumstances. This is a wonderful time to be alive. There's a lot of things going on, and, and it's always a wonderful time to be alive. But God reveals himself and his ways. You know, God, Jesus was the way, the, the way, the truth, and the life. He has his own way of doing things. And in order to embrace his way of doing things, slowly over time we give up our ways of doing things. So hopefully that be encouraged. Continue. The whole point being is when we started talking about the best way to learn how to do something is to learn how to teach it. So start with that in mind. Continue doing your, your homework, coming up with your own homework, letting God put that desire in your heart for this is the direction I want to draw you in, this is the ability I want you to work on, and then go, okay, now how would I teach someone else how to do that? And, of course, you have to start with being good at it yourself. So how do you do that? And becoming objective, becoming very almost clinical about it. So thanks for tuning in. Drop me a line at diane at org or through Blog Talk Radio. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.